Good afternoon, Monday listeners. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for February 5th, and I'm your host, Anastasia Glova. This month, Cato's online magazine, Cato Unbound, features a debate about rethinking health insurance. The lead essay is authored by Cato adjunct scholar Arnold Kling, who also wrote the book Crisis of Abundance, Rethinking How We Pay for Healthcare, which is available from the Cato online bookstore. Arnold discusses the difference between insulation and insurance in today's podcast. You start your essay with the question, how many American families have proper health insurance? How many indeed? Well, I would say actually less than 10%. It's not just that there are people who are uninsured. There are many people who are really overinsured. That is, they are insulated from all their health care costs, whereas with insurance, they would only be insulated or protected against extreme health care costs, the kinds that we used to call major medical What do you mean by insulation? Insulation means that people don't have to worry about spending their own money at all on health care. In fact, in the United States, 85% of all health care expenses are paid for by third parties. And when you're not spending your own money, you're not paying attention to the value of what you're getting compared to what it costs. How can you make insurance companies accept individuals that are more likely to require prohibitively expensive treatment? The whole point is that companies offset the cost of insuring the individuals who consume the most health insurance with premiums from their healthiest members. That's actually a very good question, and it really gets to the heart of whether it is possible to create an insurance market in healthcare. The fear is that suppose you tell insurance companies that they can be aware of everyone's medical condition, And if they know that I've got a serious illness, then they're not going to want to insure me or they're going to charge a very high premium. I think the only ways around that are to come up with different forms of insurance that cover people for longer terms. So that when I buy insurance, I'm buying insurance against the event that I, at some point down the road, get diagnosed with an expensive illness. So it's a very different form of insurance than what we have now. It's not something that you renew every year and that you think of as reimbursing whatever medical expenses you have. You think of a policy that is a long-term policy. It might be in place for 10 years. I even argue that at age 65, you ought to get such a policy that's in place for the rest of your life. But a long-term policy that protects you either against expenses that you measure on a cumulative basis or perhaps one that actually protects you specifically against specific possibilities like being diagnosed with cancer or Alzheimer's or something like that. But it would be new forms of insurance that would protect against the high risk of ending up being someone who's unusually sick. Before we talk about those different forms of insurance, let's cover some of the inefficiencies that our health insurance system has caused our economy so far. Well, there's one basic form of inefficiency, which is that when people aren't spending their own money, they're not careful about it. And there's a lot of data that indicates that Americans make extravagant use of medical procedures that have high costs and low benefits. And the result of that is to put stress on all of our health care system. You have the individuals who are priced out of the insurance market because the expenditures are so high. You have the employer-provided health insurance, which is unraveling. And then you have government programs such as Medicare and Medicaid, which are under severe financial stress, and particularly Medicare, which is unsustainable. I think the main reason for the kind of over-medication that tends to drive up costs is a doctor's way to protect himself against medical malpractice lawsuits. 
That's certainly part of it. I would definitely agree that defensive medicine, sort of an aggressive medicine, kind of both, are very much a part of our culture now, and it would take a cultural change to start to unwind those. So what are the options for reforming health insurance? I don't think that the government ought to decide what health insurance should look like. I think that what government ought to do is take a more neutral approach to health insurance policy. And the latest plan in President Bush's State of the Union address is a step in that direction because one of the distortions in our current system is that we subsidize employer health benefits that consist of what I call insulation rather than real insurance. And the president's plan takes a step in the direction of reducing the subsidy for that kind of insulation and at the same time putting the people who are now outside of the corporate umbrella under an equivalent tax system so that they will now have better access to health insurance. Can the average consumer really be trusted to make informed health care decisions so that he does not forego necessary treatment in order to cut costs? Well, that's one of the big arguments that's made against any proposal to shift from third-party payments to out-of-pocket payments, which is the direction that I want to go. The question is, well, can the consumer make a rational decision? And my line on that is that there's an implicit assumption there, which is that consumers make perfectly rational decisions when they're not paying for things, and they'll somehow make irrational decisions when they do pay for things. My sense is that some consumers do make irrational decisions now, whether they're paying for health care or not, and my guess is that on the whole, they're making less rational decisions when they're not paying for it. But there's this ingrained sentiment that all people are entitled to health care somehow, so how do you get them to pay for something they're entitled to? It's important to recognize that not all health care services today are what would be deemed essential services. You gave the examples of defensive medicine, medicine that really doesn't affect the outcome but is being done because the doctor feels either legal pressure or cultural pressure to do it. We're seeing things like what I would call luxury health care, a very high-end health care. And we see a lot of procedures done where, in medical terms, the cost per life saved is very high. That is, there's very low probability that the health care procedure will make a difference. So there's a lot of discretionary care in the system that consumers ought to be making decisions about. And we can enable them to make those decisions without making it impossible for them to obtain the necessary care, the stuff that is not discretionary. How do you get the average consumer to internalize the costs of his own medicine without making it at the same time prohibitively expensive? I think the prohibitive expense comes from the very high catastrophic costs. And very high catastrophic costs are things that consumers need protection against through new forms of insurance. What you need to do to have the consumers actually confront the cost of the discretionary care is to remove the insulation and give them something more like long-term catastrophic health insurance. Catastrophic meaning that it'll kick in when their expenses get really high and they really need it. And long-term because of the problem that you noted that once the insurance company knows that you're sick, you won't be able to get affordable health insurance. And so what you need is a long-term policy that works while you're healthy and that lasts once you actually do get sick, you know, stays in force and doesn't just disappear. But you and I well know that people tend to stave off their long-term needs in favor of immediate preferences. So will they be required by law to buy long-term insurance? 
Um, that's a good question, and that's a tough one for a libertarian to answer. I would prefer that people not be forced to do anything and that people face the consequences of decisions to take risks. You're taking a risk sometimes by the way you don't take care of your body, and you're taking a risk by not buying reasonable health insurance. I think that there ought to be charity care for people who do take risks and who suffer the consequences, but I don't think we should offer an absolutely ironclad guarantee that people who do take those risks are going to be completely relieved of the consequences. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.